Welcome once again to the Ashy Knuckle Podcast. I'm one third of the host station, Brian W., also known as B. Woods, my man Moses in the crib. Yep. And Marky G, as always. Yo, yo. Today we got a nice little show for you. We're going to do a preview of last weekend's card, Dan Ige, 50K Ige versus the Korean Zombie. That was a really nice one. And we got a preview of UFC Fight Night, Cyril Gan versus Volkov, Alexander Volkov. We'll do some news and notes, kind of get you caught up on the coming and going in the MMA world, and some final thoughts in our ashy knuckle moment of the week. So uh, let's jump right into it, man. Did you guys get to check out that main event? Yes. Yeah, I watched the main oh. card. I did not see much of the, or any of the prelims, though. I was able to catch most of the card, but it had my divided attention. Unfortunately, there was a pretty big tournament this weekend that I was in. I was in it, but I had the screen to where I can look up and see some of the action, but I wasn't able to follow it all the way. The only fight I was able to see from start to finish was the main. That was a good one, though. Yeah, it was... um, Okay, so I picked picked Dan Ige. And I had my reasons. One worry that I I did have was um, KZ always seems to rise to the occasion versus that up and coming type prospect, he he just he usually he shuts that hype train down, and I was like, uh, you know, I felt a little whatever. And uh, KZ showed his experience. He showed that it's more than you got to be more than one dimensional to beat him, and that was that was impressive, man. He he looked really good in the grappling. He pretty much dominated all the grappling rounds. All the grappling um, situations. Got that, uh, got a nice victory and had an interesting call out. If I must say. Did you hear that call out? I wonder what's next for him. Did you hear what he, did you hear who he asked for? No, I didn't Uh, actually. I seen he said somebody punches like pillows, but. He says that uh, Max Holloway is a easy win for him because he has more KO power, and Max Holloway does not hit hard at all. That was his call out. Was Max Holloway good for him? That's an interesting and almost fair call out. Why not? I don't think that Max Holloway has great punching power. He's he's an accumulative puncher. He's got that volume is what he does. You've never seen Max Holloway walk out and just knock somebody out straight up. So that's a fair assessment. And the way that Korean Zombie fights, he can walk right through a lot of that shit. Not saying he should, but he can. But he can. I'm all for that fight. I'd watch it. Uh, I, I think I'd be more hyped for the rematch with Yair. That way we can set the 
record straight. Yeah, I wonder who he'll get next, though. I like this. I, I'm okay. So, break, <clears throat> thinking about that matchup between Korean Zombie and Max Holloway, uh, while I do believe KZ has the grit to be able to make it a dirty, like, fight of the month type deal where both guys leave uh, bloodied and battered, I just feel like I think Max Holloway is just way more technical and crisp in a stand-up, and that is not a path to victory. Um, just trying to go power versus precision. I don't think that KZ is powerful enough to put away Max Holloway. But I do think that Max Holloway, is, his precision will be enough to just completely dominate that in a stand-up. I don't see that going KZ's way at all if he chooses to have some kind of boxing match. However, KZ is pretty tough and gritty, and if he can mix it up, it can make it interesting. So that's how it would actually go, though. I don't think that KZ would actually do a boxing match, especially after watching this last fight. This last fight, he was very calm, calculated, very technical with his counter-striking. He, was, he wasn't that pressure fighter that he always was, not in the same way, at least. He wasn't a brawler. He sat there and became a technical striker, and mixed it up with his takedowns. And his ground game is way underrated. I know people, a lot of people talk about his, his jiu-jitsu because of the twister that he did and everything like that, but people only think about his striking. And his ground game is way underrated. And as calm as he was in that last fight, Dan Ige just didn't have an answer for him. He didn't. Uh, Dan had no answers, man. He um, it looked it looked like Dan wanted to get the early knockout, and he was trying to go for set up that one shot, and it just never it was just never there. Mm-hmm. Every time he went for it, a big shot, it was almost like KZ could see it coming. He would get underneath it and, and gain, engage in grappling, and then Dan really didn't have any answer for that. Like whenever. They got into those grappling spots. He was just trying to get out. Mm-hmm. And then reset and try that big punch again. And that was basically the fight. In a nutshell. It was a little more interesting than that. Like there, Dan Ige was trying to do the right things. The only thing he was doing wrong is he wasn't throwing enough volume in his combinations. He was throwing out one. Korean Zombie was reading it. And just timing him the whole match. And that was really the story of the fight. And then when they went to the ground, it he just wasn't properly fighting the feet most of the time. That body triangle was constantly there. And he just didn't know whether to fight the feet or the hands. He just kind of froze up in those situations a little bit. Yeah, I think um, you made a good point when you said that KZ's grappling is underrated. Um, I don't think that I don't think Dan anticipated that kind of fight or his camp. I thought maybe they they probably uh, anticipated a more grueling type stand up war. They didn't. Mm-hmm. I don't think they expected it to be uh, to be that grapple heavy, and that's probably why he was. He just seemed like he wasn't very prepared. 
when it came to just a pure ground grappling. Mm-hmm. But now, then, if, they, if they rematched, it would be a completely different fight, though. Because if you watch the success that Ige had in the third round, all he had to do was increase his volume, pressure a little bit more. And he started having that success that we expected him to have. But he just took too long to do it. And then he got caught on the ground again. Yeah. And a part of that could be also, um, KZ can probably be just cruising because he knows he won the first two rounds. You know, he could be just kind of like, all right, I'm just kind of coasting, you know? Like, he, he got it and just, just don't wreck the ship. Just kind of close with an upper elbow. Exactly. Like he did against like he did against Yair. Now that look, that's another fight we can talk about. Um the fight that could have been with Yair Rodriguez and uh Max Holloway. Um there was a pull an injury that ended up nixing that bout, but man, that was a that was an intriguing one. What what is it about Yair that Fights just never come to be. Yeah, it's what? Third time in a row? Yeah. Fourth time in a row? He had the whole thing with Zabit. He's just bad luck. I don't know. I don't know, man. It's hard to it's it's crazy. Like it's it's I don't believe in weird superstitions, but it's just something some kind of something about this dude, some kind of aura, man, that he, the fights that we want to see him in never come to, come to be, and it's just it's kind of frustrating as a fan because I want I really want to see what he can do against some of the top guys in the division, but you got to make it to the cage. So I have a theory about stuff like that. I mean, this is just my personal opinion and my theory, but if you look at the track record of the type of people that this usually happens to you know that it's just injury prone on both sides i think it's the unorthodox people people like tony ferguson and yair have a very unorthodox type of fighting and in order to train for that you have to find people and have looks and have weird out of the ordinary type camps that you're just overworking yourself or just not used to something and getting caught with random stuff. I honestly think it is just the training for these people are much more difficult because it's not what you're used to. It's out of the norm. That makes sense. Overtraining is a real thing, especially in um, mixed martial arts because there's so many variables. And when you're preparing, you never think you did enough. Like, you never feel like I'm, you're ready enough. It takes good coaches to be able to pull a fighter back and, like, have, have them instill that confidence in them that they've done enough to be prepared. But as a competitor, you never feel like you're, you've done enough to be ready. So overtraining is real. And I can see how preparing for somebody that's really unpredictable or um, unorthodox could uh, cause even more pressure and make you want to do even more than you would normally do, which is already a lot. In addition to cutting weight. Not just even more. You're also, your training partners are trying to mimic this other person that's throwing these unorthodox type attacks that you're not used to 
countering or whatever. So you might slip the wrong way into something. You might get caught by something that you don't usually get caught by just because they're throwing different types of strikes at you that you're just not in the habit of getting out of the way of all in preparation for this. So it could just be something as easy as that. Someone threw a spinning elbow at a different angle that you're not used to and just cut your eye or, you know, tweaked your leg a little bit trying to get out of the way of something. So it could be something simple. It, 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 yeah, right. And it's like, um, like, he's, like you were saying, it's, I, I agree with that. I agree with what you're saying. Um, if you're in there against, a, if say you're fighting a guy like um, Stephen Thompson, um, and you're a you're a standard welterweight orthodox fighter, and you're fighting someone who has a heavy karate base, who also has length and and reach, the kind of guys that can mimic that are usually guys that are in higher weight classes. You know, it's it's rare that you're gonna find a guy that's your same size with that kind of length and that ability. So you're probably just bringing in someone with a um, karate background, but they're probably bigger. So you're getting um, some good looks at what your opponent can present, but you're also accumulating unnecessary damage and that can lead to injuries. Um, and that's how a lot of, that's, that's one of the reasons why it's hard to really judge the state that some fighters come in um, initially, because they a lot of them battle through injuries and still go to the fight if it's um, minor enough to where they can, you know, keep it going. But you'll be wondering sometimes, like you'll watch a guy that you that you know has a certain skill set, and you're like, why isn't he doing this? But they, they could be fighting through an injury or something. Yes. Moving on to the heavyweight bout in the, on that same card, we had uh, Old Man Russia. I missed that Alexio, one. Alexio Olenek, and uh, he's fighting, uh, okay, we can guess we can call him Young Man Russia. Sergey <laughs> uh, Spiv- Spivak? I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. I don't know if the Russian accent or um, I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but Spivak? Oh, my polar bear. That was a good one. It was okay. I, did you get to check that one out, Mark, at all? I watched it. it. It was hard to pay attention to, though. Not going to lie. I didn't get to catch as much of it as, like, like I said before, because it, I didn't get to catch as much of it as I'd like to have. Um, I, was, I had some other stuff I was um, getting into, and... But this fight was kind of circled because I, I wanted to see um, some from both guys. With uh, Olenek being ranked 15th, well, before that he was ranked higher, but he obviously lost. It was it, it initially looked like Alexander, I mean, like uh, Sergey was controlling the action, but he got caught in a few compromised spots where Olenek uh, Olenek's is is dangerous. Like when he can put you in those. Spots where he can choke you. And he was in that a good bit. But mm-hmm. he didn't fight out of it. And pretty much, you know, grind out a unanimous decision win. They were both really, really tired in the third round. And it was that classic sloppy heavyweight deal where 
not much was going on except for, you know, some grappling, some very bad strike attempts. But then again, I didn't get to watch the fight, like I said, from start to finish. I didn't get to watch it minute by minute. I only saw, like, highlights, basically, and glimpses as I, as I was able to look up. So There wasn't much to really go off of more than that. It, it really was just Olenek doing his normal, I'm going to throw a couple sloppy punches and come in on you and take you down. Uh, Sergey did a really good job of counter jiu-jitsu. When he did get in those compromising positions, he did a really good job of pulling out, which not a lot of people do, and getting back up. But other than that, it really was just on the feet. Sergey had control and was just popping shots out there and catching him with a couple. Not not a, the greatest showing for either of them. Just a standard, all right, this is done. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we had some we had some really good action besides that one because that was kind of a a bit of a snooze fest for the technical fans. It was kind of like nah, it wasn't that exciting. But we did have a lot of exciting on that on this card, and mm-hmm. I'll start from the most exciting that I that I can picture, and that was in the welterweight bout where Diego Lima took on the Immortal. Matt Brown. Woo! What a right hand. Yeah. <laughs> he put him out. out Man. Cold. That fight was weird. Um, because Diego seemed to be really tentative to engage with Matt Brown. He was doing a lot of retreating and a lot of... Um, he was playing a, a, a much more elusive style as opposed to his, like, Standard pressure style. And I don't know if it was a result of him losing to um, Bilal Muhammad in, the, in, his, in his last bout where he had that pressure style. Well, he at least tried to. But man, or, or maybe he just knew that Matt Brown could crack and he didn't want to get caught by one of those. And that was a big shot. Probably the biggest shot of the card. Maybe. Um, maybe. Yeah, that was probably yeah. the biggest shot. I don't, well, there was another one. Yeah, Korean dude had a nice uh, one. Korean yeah, Choi had a nice knockout too. Yes, he did. Sungwoo Su-woo Choi. Dude, I thought that was a uh, Superboy, and then I seen him. I was like, "That's not Superboy. That's Superboy's no, older no. brother. That's Sting. <laughs> oh, that's Sting. Yes, that's Sting. His name is Sting. He ain't got the face paint on." But man, <laughs> he, he came power. up with the flag, with the uh, Korean flag, and he did some work. That was that was beautiful, beautiful striking. Yes, very um, clean, crisp striking. If we're gonna talk about that fight real quick, it it I mean it was a short one. You had him feeling out his range and popping out that left hand a couple of times, and he finally hit with it. And when he hit with it, it was done. Uh, Julian Rosa had a little bit of a... He was contesting it a little bit, but... Um, and the fight was... I think it was stopped a little bit earlier than it could have been. However, I don't think the result would have changed. I think the referee did a good job of preserving Julian because Choi was just landing... Um, he was just landing, like, clean. And while 
Arusa wasn't knocked out and dead to the con- con- to the canvas, how much more of that is he gonna take before he is? Because his head bo- his head did go he did go limp for a second. So I don't I, think I, that was I, an early stoppage at all. I, I don't I don't I think I, I think Julian thinks it was early because of the time oh. that he. But I don't think I thought the stoppage was just. I felt I felt like um, Choi did a great job. Swarming them and hurting them, and then swarming them and getting the victory. Um, I'm I'm more a fan of I think, especially for guys who are younger. If you're not fighting for a title, I'd rather it get stopped early than late. If you're fighting for a title, let them go, let them fight. But if you're not fighting for a title, like, come on, dog, like, what, what, you, you don't want to take that kind of damage for. Nothing, you know what I mean? Like just for one, for about one bout. I mean, the 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 ref gave him enough time. Like he got hit with that first shot. A lot of refs could have stopped right then and there, falling down the way that he did. But then he got like four, five unanswered ground and pounds right there with his head just bouncing off the canvas. And let's be honest, when they tried to stand him up, he still couldn't stand. He was still so wobbly right after that. There, there's no arguing that one. That one is just clear, clear as day. Good stoppage, and I, I think that he gave him more than enough time to respond. To be honest, yeah, I, I, I said I don't, I don't think the stoppage was unjust. He was just, I know Julian was protesting it. That's all. Oh, okay. Um, hey, that's standard. Most most fighters don't. Um, they most fighters are. You gotta. Basically, flatline them before they accept it in the yeah. ring, and they just don't know what's going on when they're concussed like that. Me, <laughs> it's hard to know what's going on when you got your bell wrong like that. Exactly. Um, I got, I got good news though. What's the good news? My girl ten to two won. <laughs> yeah, yes, she did. She won, bro. Oh, nice. Oh yeah, the uh, the eyes, easy on the eyes though, bro. And two, <laughs> <laughs> easy on the eyes, my guy. Yeah. Shout out easy to Intuition for making some good brew. Um, Matt Brown, uh, Diego. I'm sorry, Matt Brown, Diego Lima was awesome. Um, we also have another KO TKO on this card. Bruno Silva versus Wellington Thurman. Oh, I missed that one. Was that on the main card? That was on the main card. Yep. That was the uh, second. That was right after Matt Brown Lima. Mm -hmm. What was that? It was a good one, too. That was, I mean, I I didn't know much about either guy, but I got to learn something. It It was a good fight. And the most obvious. I would say the best fight on this card outside of maybe the main was Marlon Vera versus Davy Grant. That was a really good one. Um, what's up? Cheeto. That was a good one. I, I, I don't know. I, listen, Marlon got the unanimous decision. I don't know. I do not agree that that was the unanimous decision win for Marlon. I thought Davy Grant did a lot in that fight. 
And I can see it being split either way, but it not unanimous, Marlon. What's up? It should have been split. Yeah, I didn't see that. I thought Davy Grant did a lot in that fight. I think Davy Grant won the first round. Uh, the second round, I think Marlon outworked in the second round. And then the third round could have been a 10-8 for Marlon. I, I don't see this as anything other than a unanimous, to be honest. I, I guess I guess if you're going to go by just pure damage done, you got to give it to Vera because he cut Davey open with those elbows. He kept doing those step-in elbows, and he would land. He was landing them like really well, and that cut Davey up. Both um in like uh he got a cut on the side of his head and a cut in the um front of his head. But other than that, I thought that in the exchanges Davey was doing really well, landing volume. Um, but if you're going by just pure damage done and Ground strikes. I think uh, Marlon got it. He got the edge. Got next though, Vera, because his uh competition went from Sean O'Malley to Aldo. Like, he went he from the bottom it. to the top. <laughs> well, not the top, but close enough to the top. And now he's fighting people that's more around his skill level. Now he's probably gonna get pushed again to fight somebody else. That's way above him because he's number 15 currently. I don't think they should go way above him, but I think they should give him a reputable name. It's still going to be a hard test, but I vote a Sun Sal. Ooh. Yeah, you beat him, you're legit. Exactly. Sun Sal right now is ranked number 11. So you're still in the top 15, but you get that name. So... I think that's a good test for him right there. And plus, that works for a Sun Sao too, because Cheeto Vera has a name right now. He's mm-hmm. known as an exciting fighter, so even though he's fighting someone lower ranked than him that could hurt his career even more, it's, good, it's a good win for him. Good name on his belt, too. What about a guy like Cody Stanman? How would that work out? Up? No, Stanley's ranked like number thirteen. Yeah, you got to remember they're bantamweights; they're all killers. Yeah, that's true. And while Sunsau is eleven, I think that's a little bit that's a, that's a big jump in comp for Vera. I mean, if you want to see him like heavily tested, you can do that. He but didn't um. Do- terrible against Aldo. That's the only reason why I would accept it. Like, in order to go five rounds with Aldo, like, the way that he did, he obviously lost that fight. But you showed a grit and a heart in that fight to where I think he could do someone like a Sun Sal, which, in my opinion, a Sun Sal's on the downward stroke versus the upward he was yeah so i think it's a good time for that fight personally yeah i I would agree with that i I think i feel like if you give him anybody in the realm of frankie edgar dominic cruz 
any of those guys like that that are on a downward swing in their career, you're building him up because you're giving him a name. But he's probably at an advantage versus those names. Yeah. However, there are a few guys on this list that have names that would probably give him a much bigger challenge and more um, a more legitimate star power. I like the Kyler Phillips guy that's ranked right above him, the Matrix. Mm-hmm. I like him a lot. He's pretty young, though, in his UFC career. He, I think he only has like 10 MMA fights. But he's looked really, really good in those 10. So a guy like that would be a step up in competition, but not a name. Because Kyle doesn't have like the name recognition that those other three guys that I mentioned before they that they have. Like Frankie has championship pedigree yeah. in his past. Um, so does Dom and Rafael Sunsau is far. I think I believe he fought for the title. So you got these guys who have an established name in the division, but they're kind of on a decline. But Cody Stanman and Kyler Phillips are potential contenders, and and are and are also in Marlon Vera's peer group. Like they'll, I think, in the next once these some of these older names start to retire and fall off, these guys are kind of like the future um, of the contender list mm-hmm. in that division. Yeah, I think anyone in the top ten is a little much for him right now. I think he needs one more win in the top fifteen. So 11 through 14, any of those people, I think it's fair. I don't like the matchup with Jimmy Rivera and him, even though I think it would be a great fight. I don't like it stylistically for Cheeto Vera. But any of the other ones, I'd go with it. And I don't mind giving him a name like a Sun Sal. Or even Cody Sandman. That's, that's not that bad. I just think that he can be a star and giving him a name right now would help him. Yeah. Especially if you give him a name that's a matchup favorite for him. So where he can earn a little bit, he can earn some more casual fanfare because he's, he does have that star quality. Yeah. He has good, he has a good charisma, good persona, good persona, and he's entertaining in, in the ring, in the cage. So yeah, I, I, I like I, I like to see some. Um, I want to see more of Marlon Vera for sure. You guys ready to move on to this next event? Next fight night. Saturday. It's Saturday. We got a, we got a good one. Another oh, free one with uh, the heavyweights, right? Yes, sir. Serio and Volkov. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this could be that big for three, uh, cereal, though. Number three or versus Volkov. number five. Yeah, this is probably for the next, next number one contender. The next, next. Yeah, next I got a next. whole rant that I want to go off on this whole heavyweight situation right now, but that's that's for later, I guess. Oh, OSP moved up to heavyweight too. Yes. Yes. What? He fighting uh the mullet dude. Tanner Bozer, yep. Yeah. Might be a good move for a good one. I think it's a good move for Ovance because he I think cutting the two oh five that kind of hurts him pretty big. He's a big two oh fiver. I think this might be a, a good move for him. 
because he's already kind of slow for that division in 205. I think he'll be just fine at uh, heavyweight, given the fact that he's such a powerhouse. But we'll see. You know, it's kind of funny because I was thinking right now in the lightweight division that OSP could actually do, or light heavyweight division, that he could actually do really good right now. Because I think he matches up pretty well with the light heavyweight division right now. But I guess he just didn't want to cut that weight no more. I think guys like Prohaska and like the faster guys, the faster guys that match up with length, because he's tall and lanky and lengthy at 205. I think Ovax is 6'5 or something like that. And he's kind of, he's kind of tall and lanky. He has like 79 inch reach or something, but he's not fast. Um, and the guys that match up well against him that are below the champion, Blahovich, I think would give him a lot of trouble. Like, uh, I think Yuri Prohoshka will give him some trouble because of his speed. And I think um, our other guy, the name's escaping me right now. Um, what's, uh, what's the other? We just talked about him. He's also in the mix for the title right now. Rakic? Yes. Alexander Rakic. I think he's, a, I think he's a, like a, a little bit too quick. And in those five-round fights, when you're cutting that much weight, speed becomes a big factor. And that's kind of what's giving Ovance trouble already in his light heavyweight like career. I think some of that will be alleviated by moving up. I think moving up is is a good move for him. I don't know how he'll do. I mean, we'll see. But I'll be. I'm, I'm interested. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely interested in that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure whoever wins this next one, then the main event should be in line for a title shot. It only makes sense, but. Francis is doing what he hated so much. Mm-hmm. Well, that? I don't know if Volkov will get the uh, title shot, though. I think he would, like, fight the I, loser I, of one of the next title fights if he won. But Serial, I think, would probably get the next next title shot. Or he might be able to leapfrog whoever if they're not doing anything. Yeah. I think if um, it depends on how, how like if the fight's a dramatic win for Volkov, maybe, maybe. But if it's something like he grinds out, ekes out a decision, yeah, I think you're right. I think he'll probably have to get another another significant win before he can get a title shot. But Cyril Gaon fighting. Rosenstrike. That's who it was. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to go to the bottom of this, this card to talk about a notable name and what a... F- the fight game is brutal, bro. Fight game is brutal. Because you can go from a headliner to opening up a prelim on... What? You can go from a top-tier fighter to open up the prelims on a free card with some losses. Yancey Medeiros. 
opening the uh, pr- the prelims. Oh, yeah, he fell hard. Fell well, I real mean, hard. He, he has not looked good in his last couple of fights. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like he went from being a a, a guy who they were trying to showcase <laughs> to a guy a guy who's opening up a free card. Did he have a lot like of injuries or something? Yeah, what? He got a lot, a lot of, of he, he got a lot of losses. No, he couldn't so, keep up with the welterweight division, so he dropped down to lightweight, and it hasn't done the greatest for him either. Damn. So. Yeah. Well, his last. All right. At lightweight, he's um, jeez, two fights, both L's too. He lost mm-hmm. to um Gregor Gillespie, twenty nineteen Cowboy in twenty eighteen, Lando Venata. Yep. Cowboy was yes, at welterweight. And What's up? yeah, it's like Cowboy was at welterweight and he yeah, he lost. He he lost pretty good. That was one he Cowboy was out. on his his streak. And then he got thrown to the wolves in lightweight at Gregor Gillespie and Lando Venata, two veterans, two scrappy people. And it just didn't yeah, on the three fight losing streak. His name doesn't mean much anymore. When you get destroyed by two unranked guys. And Gillespie is ranked. Is he ranked anymore? Gillespie's ranked for sure. Um, But he did get destroyed regardless of his rank or not. He didn't look good. Gregor Gillespie is now uh, 10, but I think when they fought, he wasn't. We do have another name uh, that was a big name that is currently fighting on the free card at the bottom. Hinato Moicano. Title contender. I don't know what happened to him, man. He got a couple losses. Not even that many losses. What, like two? Three? I remember getting folded by a Jose Aldo body shot. That's the last thing I remember about him. And I think Byron Ortega, too. I don't know, these he lost to... So he's 14-3, oh, so... Who else are those two? Zombie? Zombie, Aldo... Ortega. Also, Fizayev knockout, too. So he's got and, four losses. Uh, yeah. Somebody lied. He might have one of those losses overturned, though. Oh. He beat Calvin Kazar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, he only lost to three good people. Maybe that other uh, 
the loss he had against whatever this dude's name is. Zion? Yeah. I think I he might have got overturned. Think so? It may be because like, it's, it's showing he got knocked out. Yeah. But maybe Fasayev didn't pass the, the drug test. Who knows? It's, but it's showing only three, and that the math doesn't add up. Mm-mm. I saw him lose to Jose Aldo. Yeah, he kept getting hit in the body. Body shots were nasty. Ribs. Ribs got barbecued. He got potential, Um, though. I don't think he's going to... He got a tough road to climb. Mm -hmm. Yes, he does. That's one thing about the lightweight division. You get three losses in the lightweight division, it can hurt you bad because everyone's a killer. Any of the light divisions, period. 35, uh, 45, not as much. There's a lot of killers in them, but the movement's not as often. But 55, 35, and um, what's it called? 25, they move a lot with very little effort. You can be number five and then be number 15 in the next fight. (laughs) Next two fights. Yeah, two losses. You might not even be ranked in the top 15 no more. Right. That's probably the same as uh, the welterweights, too, though. That's true. Speaking of welterweights, what about the crazy ride of a career that Warley Alvarez has? He has... So many notable wins, names on his win list, but he can never string them together. He got a first round TKO over Covington. His first round sub, sorry, over Covington. But then he lost to Usman, Barbarina. You know what I mean? Randy Brown. He just, I feel like. Yeah, he. This guy has such a weird career. He goes like big win, loss, loss, loss. Big win, loss, loss, loss. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, obviously he's talented, but his record doesn't make any sense either. It says he's fifteen and four, but and they got the X messed up, man. Yeah, stats ain't right right now. Somebody must not be efficient in math. Somebody drunk, man. And using the right calculator or something. <laughs> Your boy Andre Touchy Feely. He's back on this one. That's another uh, exciting fighter. I don't think he'll yeah. be a title shot, but he's an exciting fighter. Now he's an exciting fighter with a band, so he'll be all right. He got a band? Yeah. I'm pretty sure he only does like his friends' backyards, but whatever. Oh, like he's he's the guitarist or something? I think he's the lead singer. No. Oh, no man. For real. I don't know, ask your fiance. Huh? She would know, right? Yes. I mean he got neck tats. I think that's the so, thing with her. I think she likes uh, neck tattoos or something. 
<laughs> you ain't gonna catch me with one though. <laughs> it's just fantasy, dog. Let's talk a little bit about this Cyril Gan versus Alexander Volkov. I know we did a good preview of this when we were doing the heavyweights uh, way back when, but now that I'm starting to like really getting closer to this fight coming to the B, I, I'm starting to like Volkov a little bit. I think they both play the same game, really. They both play that patient, outside, crisp-striking type game. They both use length, and um, I think Cyril has more power. It's going to be a good matchup. It is. Like, stylistically. Maybe. It'll show how good um, Cyril's overall martial arts is in general like he's gonna have to use all of it not just one dimensional mm-hmm. stuff with uh his last fight they just look like they were sparring the whole time he, he played a really safe game versus uh jarzinho rosenstrike and looking at rosenstrike's battles in between that i think it was probably the right thing to do because Cyril, it's for some weird reason, Rosenstrike finds a way to land a big shot at the end of the round or and hurt his opponents. I think Cyril did a good job of avoiding that by playing that safe strategy. And in my um, opinion, they both played it really safe in that fight. Yeah. I, I don't think Rosenstrike was able to... He had to risk a lot to get the close the distance and he wasn't willing to do it. So I think you're right about that. I think both guys kind of just chose to take it a take it safe. Um you're not gonna get much you're not gonna get any championship buzz by fighting like that though. We've seen that happen with guys who can go on long winning streaks and I can cough out some names pretty easily here. But they had that same mentality where they were just racking up wins. They weren't putting guys away. They weren't putting themselves in danger or making the fights exciting. But they were getting the victories. Guys like, if you look at the yesteryear, guys like John Fitch, it took him forever to get a title fight, even with a bunch of wins on his resume. We saw it happen again with Tony Ferguson. Um, Although Tony was more exciting, he did have some fights where, you know, it was like just racking up the win. And you see it now with Leon Edwards, where he's racking up a bunch of wins. But it's again, it's not like he's starching or steamrolling these guys. He's just getting the win. So that might be a cautionary tale for guys who are playing it safe. If you want to get wins and just keep it going and keep the fight bonuses, that might be one thing. But if you're chasing the title, you gotta make some. You gotta make some buzz. I think this seen fight guys... should have something that happens like that. What's up? This fight should end with something that's gonna propel one of these two. It should. I'm here for it. And I hope to see it. 
I don't I don't want to see another sparring match. I want to see these guys go at it. That's what I was about to say. This could go either way. This is either going to be a really exciting technical chess match type of a fight, is what I'm hoping for, or this is going to be a afraid-to-throw type, just feeling out on the outside sparring match, which will be a super bummer. Yeah. I for this fight. I think it has all the makings for a great fight. But I also feel like with the way that Serial went with his last fight and the way that Volkov is a lot, a lot of times kind of hesitant and just kind of stays on the outside and waits for his shots, if they're both hesitant like that, it could be very, very boring. But I don't think it will be. I think both of these guys have something to prove. And they're going to go for it. I think they'll know that the title shot's on the line, and they're not going to get it with a boring fight. That brings me to this uh, to a discussion I had at a at a bar with the bartender. He's kind of a novice to martial arts and in, uh, in, in itself, but being a bartender, he sees a lot of crazy shit, right? Like he sees a lot of guys get into it. And he was saying something that I, at the time, I was like, I didn't agree with him. But now the more I think about it, I think he might have a little bit of a point. Some guys are just fighters. They might not know how to fight, but they're willing to get in there and mix it up. And they're, they're going to push the pace regardless of the um, risk. They don't give a shit if like, they can, they're going to lose. They don't, they don't care about how they look. They're, they want to fight. And some of these guys are playing the sport of MMA. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just playing a, the point game of the sport. They're not actual fighters. And we're going to find out about what kind of guy Cyril Gaon is in this fight, regardless, because he seemed to take that route of being an athlete, an MMA athlete in his last fight, instead of being that that hungry dog that we know the champion to be. We know that Francis Ngannou doesn't give a shit about what his technique looks like or what the results may be. He's going out there and trying to wing it and go for it. And if you don't match that energy, you're going to get overcome by it. So I want to see exactly what version of Cyril Gaon is going to show up. Volkov, on the other hand, I think he does have the skill set to challenge a, a lot of the guys in uh, heavyweight, given his height and length. And he does have a more technical skill set than most heavyweights. Most heavyweights just are big punchers. Some, of them, some can wrestle. But then they're not usually really technical strikers and Volkov is a technical striker so I'm, I'm curious see how this goes out I, if I had to make a prediction I would, I would lean toward Volkov winning a point match but I'm hoping Cyril Gaon surprises me comes out with that hungry dog in him he was uh, undefeated in his kickboxing career Cyril? Yep. It's a short career. I'll, 
But he's I was gonna say, how long was his kickboxing career? Uh, from 2016 to 2018. Three years. Seven. Seven fights. Seven fights by knockout is a good record for two years. Oh, five five knockouts, seven fights. Okay, two decisions. Then he uh debuted in the UFC after that. Well, a lot of a lot of guys come to MMA from kickboxing with um Izzy pretty decorated records. Uh I know Volkov, I know I'm pretty sure he was a kickboxer as well. I know that um Jarzinho Rosenstrike had a good kickboxing career. You uh Adesanya also got, I believe he did compete at heavyweight as well in kickboxing. Um yeah, Serial, he's a uh... For not having a lot of experience in MMA, he's got a lot of fight experience from what it shows. Yes. And if you're going to come in with just fight experience and not a lot of MMA experience, the best division to be in is the heavyweight division. Because they don't mix it up nearly as much as the other divisions. So therefore, no. you, you can get away with it a lot more. You got a couple um, outliers. Commission wins, too. What's that? He's got a couple submission wins too. Uh, Kamora, right? I forgot what they were, but uh, one I think his debut was an arm triangle or something. Ooh. Like for a kickboxer, he's got submission wins too. Mark's right, though. The heavyweight division is probably the best division to. Learn, learn on the job. If you have one skill set that can kind of you can you can have is that ace in the hole, and you have physical talent, you can be you can you can learn on the job in heavyweight. Not so much in most of the other divisions. You got to have much got to be much more well rounded. As worked on ground game. Yes. Improve cardio. <laughs> It should be a big test, in my opinion, for Serial. It's better a better test than Jarzinho, because Volkov's well-rounded. Agreed. Volkov's a good fighter. Like He's another one that doesn't get enough respect in the division that he's in. Man, he lost that last second. Eric Lewis? Second, the buzzer beater. I know he wants that one back so bad. Oh, I'm sure he does because he was dominating that fight and just got oh, he, that. Uh, he was kicking his ass like, straight yes. up. He wants that one back so bad. Damn. That's that's another one though. Derek Lewis is a very technical striker that doesn't get enough credit for being a technical striker. He be doing his thing. He be doing his thing every mm-hmm. time. I think when when guys see Derek, when when the average fan. Watches a Derek Lewis fight, they, they just see the big power, but they don't see how he's setting that power up. Because, mm-hmm. and let's be honest, let's be, I mean, let's be real here. Most of the heavyweights have power, they're all yeah. big dudes. Uh, there's, there's, uh, is there a heavyweight that doesn't possess power? I'm just curious. Right. I'm just kidding. Oh, oh. So, who, who's it? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you gonna do that man like that? 
Yo, he literally only lost what to to people that hit really hard. Right? Uh, yeah, I was just joking though. <laughs> Cause he he just he uh took down Volkov at will mm-hmm. when they fought, but he let him know that was how he was gonna fight him too. I think Curtis Blades only lost to uh, Nagano and Derek Lewis, right? That's it. Two to yeah, Nagano. Really hard. Yes. Yeah, two and Gano times two. And then Derek Lewis. So, yeah. In my opinion, he was winning that fight before he. Oh, my God. He bull rushed from across the ring. Once again, I love Curtis Blades. He can be champ. He can be the future of the division. With Stipe, I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon, but him on his way out. Nagano is. Devastating, but and starting to get his wrestling down. But I think Curtis Blades, if he learns how to mix things up a little bit better, just just hide his takedowns a little bit instead of you know showing them like, hey, I'm I'm gonna literally level change and go. Like, start learning some feints and how to hide his takedowns under his strikes. He can be champ, and I think that'll be a great fight between him and Nagano again. But Nagano just finds his chin every damn time. Yeah, they're all like in the same age range, so they'll they'll probably end up fighting each other again. Mm-hmm. All the guys in the top five, really, except for Stipe. Yeah, Stipe probably got one or two left in him, and then he's done. I think it all depends on. whether he wins the title and is loses again. If he loses if he fights for the title again and loses, I think he's yeah. done. Yeah. It's a good possibility in age. Fighting age. Well and he has nothing left. To prove like division again. Might have a career like I don't think he does it for the paydays. I think he does it just for the love of the game and trying to be champ. But once he can't be champ anymore, what's the point? Kind of like when uh, Daniel Cormier was retiring. You know, he lost the title again. He was like, if I'm not fighting for titles, I'm not fighting. Those title paydays are why guys mostly get a taste of that that championship, they don't want to fight for anything other than the title. It might be the love of the game. I will give you that, but let's, let's not forget that these guys are prize fighters. So when you give a guy half a million or more for a fight, it's hard for them to take another one for less, given the fact that how grueling the sport is getting ready for a fight. I agree, but I also feel like there is a mixture of once you've accomplished that, nothing else adds up to that again. So if you know which Stipe would be in this in this area, that if he lost his next one, 
the odds of him fighting for a championship again just isn't going to happen. So, is putting yourself through those fight camps anymore, is putting your life on the line every time you get into that cage worth not getting those paydays, worth not being champion? Because I honestly believe there are certain fighters out there, and I think Stipe is one of them, that the money doesn't matter nearly as much as that sense of accomplishment of all the hard work that you've been putting in for years, showing that you are the absolute best in the world. I think that means more to some than others. Yeah. Um, some, cause everyone has a different reason, right? Y'all have a different, a different why. Yeah. Like some people are fighting, like, like Steve still has a full time job. He, he still, he's still a fireman. Mm-hmm. Even though he's the heavyweight, well, former heavyweight champion, but during his title reign, even when he was the heavyweight champion, he still had a job as a fireman. So, your point of him doing it for more than just money has legs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people like Shevchenko would do it for like almost nothing. She just loves fucking kicking ass and being the very best. I think she would do it for almost nothing. Not saying she needs to do that because she deserves every penny she she ever gets, probably more than she actually gets. But just saying, I think she would. Man, you gotta be careful what you like watch before you go to bed. Cause I watched a video of her dancing. Oh my god! <laughs> before I went to sleep, <laughs> and I had a, and I really, I. I my psyche had that in there burned in somehow because me and her were dancing. She was doing the uh, spin dance too? She's a really good grappler, I'll just say that. Like, even in my dreams, it was hard for me to beat her. I was controlling the narrative in my dream. She still was winning. I'm like, God damn, that girl's special. So, you guys want to get into the, the news? Yeah, let's get some news and notes going on. I'm not sure what's new. Oh, only thing I know that's new is uh, Anderson Silva beat a boxer. Yes. Son of a legendary yes, he boxer. He looked really good. good. Silva looked really good. No, I've only mean, seen the highlights. Yeah, that's all I saw. But Silva's boxing? Former boxer, very short career also. Very, very long time ago. But he looked good in there against a legit boxer. And he got the split decision win. Some people say that he shouldn't have got the decision, but hey, if your opponent's not arguing it, hey, take it. Maybe he could be the one to take out the Paul brothers. I hope he doesn't stoop that low. Like, you can't come out and fight a legit boxer and then dumb yourself down to that. They they might try to go after him, though. Nah, I think they should do their own thing with this whole, like, since Vitor is fighting uh, De La Hoya. Oh, yeah! Since he's fighting De La oh, Hoya, they should just keep this, like, in its own little thing. Let's get these ex-old boxers against ex-old MMA fighters and have their own little thing. What's Don't need on, to fight uh, no 20-year-old. Is that on the zone? I think it's thing. Thriller. That stuff? I think it's Thriller. Dude, Vitor's probably going to be on all the TRT. 
Yes, it's and Delaware sure. is going to be on all the cocaine. He ain't going to feel any punches. He's going to say that's makeup on my nose. That's just makeup. <laughs> I'm cheering for all the acai. (laughs) Bro, that's, man, Della Hoya's in trouble if Vitor is, like, on that stuff. Yes. I want to see Vitor, bro. I'm going to be honest, dog. I'm going to say my prayers, like, almost every night. And I want to see Vitor come out with there with a tail. Like, a legit, like, I want him to have muscles on muscles. I want him to come out, like, the Vitor Belfort that rush Vandalay Silva across the cage. Oh, you want somebody to that version? Yes, I want to see uh, the first death. Dude, how old is that, Boya? He got to be at least 50, right? No, I don't think so. He's probably like 44, 43. You, you want TRT Tour kicking somebody's eye out again? Yep. What? I mean, he'll punch his eye out. Oh, yeah, I'm just I want to see. I want to see all the. I want to see punches and bunches. He's 48. 48? He damn near 50. He damn near 50. <laughs> Delahoya old. Bro, he, he, gonna, he gonna die. And he hasn't boxed in how long? He hasn't been in shape in how long? Oh, man. But then again, Mike Tyson came back and hadn't worked out in fucking forever. And he came back and looked good against Roy Jones Jr. He was going to well, roast the president of, last year. Speaking of Mike Tyson, I think the, the Logan Paul wants Mike Tyson. Seen that. Yeah. I don't know, man. I'll watch from it. From fighting Mayweather. Mike Tyson will kill him. Mike Tyson. I mean, I think that could happen. He I think it's a great matchup. Shit. He got grown man strength. Yeah. I want to see it. I want to see it. Man, these kids are just making so much money off hatred. Disrespectful. Disrespectful. That's how it works now. Making so much money off hatred. Hatred is uh, just as strong as love. Yes, it is. That's kind of how Mayweather made so much money in his career. When he was Pretty Boy Floyd, he wasn't crushing it like that. It wasn't until he became like that money Mayweather persona where he was flaunting all the jewelry and cars and spending a ton of money and kind of like being cocky and arrogant, getting people to like hate him, like getting the average fan to like want to see him lose. Basically, like they were like, I can't wait to see him lose until that. I guess the casual fan base had that attitude about him. He wasn't getting like that, those kind of numbers on pay per view sales. So, hey, you guys know that uh, Giga dude, Giga, yep. I can't pronounce his last name. According to him, he's been offered a fight, um, Yair Rodriguez in replacement of Holloway. He's telling uh, Yair to accept, and he called him a P asterisk SSY. Ooh, buddy. I mean, Yair is known for not accepting fights, so. 
But then again, if I was Yair, I wouldn't accept it either. If I had a Max Holloway fight and I knew they were thinking about maybe just rebooking it, I think I'd wait for the Max Holloway fight. Yeah, yeah. But he hasn't fought in two years, almost. True. 2019, the end of 2019 sometime. Like, third quarter, fourth quarter. So I think it just depends on how how bad the injury was, whatever the injury was to Holloway, and how long he's going to have to wait. It had to have been something serious if uh, he pulled out. Yeah, if Holloway pulled out, it's serious. Or the doctors just wouldn't let him. You guys uh, heard about uh, Violent Bob Ross getting arrested down south? Yes, for snatching burglary and so. battery. I, I was like, what What did he do? Just fucking snatch a purse? What the fuck? What the fuck is maybe. he snatching purses for? Maybe he stole somebody's hat and said, got your hat. And started <laughs> running around. I don't know. <laughs> Not much in Hard the news to tell. this week. Huh? What's up? Not much in the news. Usually it seems like the news starts in the middle of the week. Left field. I mean, I can NS start ranting. I can start ranting about the heavyweight division. Oh, okay. I can start ranting about that whole fuck pile. I have a newfound respect for Chris Weidman. Me too. He had uh, Anderson on his podcast, and he apologized. I have a newfound respect for him. So I won't make fun of Gabe's boy as much. Because I have more respect for him for apologizing to Anderson. I mean, I had a little more respect for him a little bit before that, but I did see that that he created his own podcast. First person on was Anderson Silva. But my thing is, I'm rooting for him right now. I don't know if he's ever going to come back the same, but there's not one person I want to come back and fight again and have a decent showing. He would have done okay against Uriah Hall. I think he would have just kept taking him down, honestly. Yeah. I think that would have been a good matchup. I was really excited to see that matchup. I am not excited the way that I remember it because all I hear is a snap all the time every time I think about these people. But Yeah. Yes. And then also just being in the crowd, hearing the... Oh, God. Yeah. Seeing that junk in slow-mo on that big screen with something else, too. Yes. Yes, I understand he has that respect for Anderson Silva, and that was was a good talk between them. And, you know, even going as deep as talking about, you know, how fans would walk up to him and ask him to take pictures of him checking leg kicks and how he thought that was fucked up but then eventually started doing it. That's the only thing he really needed to apologize for. (laughs) <laughs> yeah he kind of had that like he, uh, he was kind of overzealous after the you know what I mean the guy hurt his leg he was celebrating like I mean I get it you won and you want to enjoy the moment but hey, who's, it's a little bit uh, over the top who is this guy Strickland who is Strickland John Strickland the middleweight. the middleweight he's fighting Uriah Hall next 
You you guys ever heard of him? Is it Sean Strickland? I thought Uriah Hall was fighting Derek Brunson. No, Brunson's that... fighting Osta. Yeah, no. Darren Till. Darren Till. Yes. Who is this Strickland dude? He's fighting Uriah Hall in the main event. He's he's been around. He's a uh, Sean Strickland. Yeah. He he's been around. He's he's a gritty fighter. He he's a good wrestler. Also, he he's got it. He's got it all. Um, not a big name. Not super exciting, in my opinion. But fair fight, I guess. Oh, main event is uh the Korean Superboy. This is definitely yes. This that's definitely, my main event. I know Do Ho Choi. We gotta see how he comes back from military service. He might learn a thing or two in there. Uh, zombie did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then again, zombie's military service was sitting at a desk or training martial arts. So, hey, I wonder if he got the same treatment where he was training the troops how to do martial arts. Well, they don't got nothing uh, to be determined. I'm looking like far ahead. Slow news week. Slow news week. Real slow news week. And we got uh, Glayson Tebow back in the win column. Oh, my God. Scrappy Rory McDonald and PFL. What a robbery. Yes. I didn't see that oh one. Oh, my God. I was told oh all about God. it. First round Bro. was... It could have been split. Second and third round was dominant by Rory McDonald. <laughs> and the winner... Glace and T-Bow by split decision. Yep. Talent. And what's interesting about that, and this is kind of what I wanted rounds? to bring... Hmm? It was just a three-round fight? Was yes. it, they don't do, like, five rounds for main events or anything? Or was that a main event? I don't think it was main event. Was it part of the tournament series or something? It was yes. It's interesting that I want to bring up is PFL has a different scoring system too. They do the fan voting, they do the performance score overall, and, and they have the judges' scorecards. They have like an MMA based um one hundred point system that you can that that um is unique to PFL. So robbery is supposed to happen like less often than that. Well, the decision for the fight is only the decision by the judges. The rest of it is points towards playoffs and tournament status. Right. But so, I think when you have like the live voting, it just shows when you see like all the stats going around, it just makes the uh robberies look that much more it pops off the paper more. It's at least like less to sub, like subjection. Like you don't see I mean, you don't know what the hell the judges are looking at. Right. But side note, shout out to PFL for bringing back the ref cams, like Pride Days. I like the ref cam. That's a good that's I a like good the ref cams, too. But shout out to them for bringing those back. They're trying, man. They're, they're, they're definitely trying to compete. Oh, yeah. Wiz Khalifa ain't playing around. Did you see... Um, Clarissa's Shields? Yes, 
I saw that fight. Him- it was great and embarrassing at the same time. <laughs> it was great on Kalisha Shields part because you saw that she is actually working on her kick game. She is actually working on her ground game and her takedown defense. You saw that the seeds are there. They need watering, but they're there. But on her opponent's side, being a black belt jujitsu person, she should have been able to submit her pretty easily. Because although Clarissa was working her way out of these submissions, she was not doing all the proper techniques. And a veteran grappler should not have struggling so much on the ground. Maybe with the takedown defense, but not on the ground. So that's why I say it was amazing and embarrassing at the same time. It was amazing for Koyosha Shields because she showed what she needed to do, and she was thrown to the Wolves because they gave her the absolute worst matchup possible as her first fight. But I feel bad for her opponent. Yeah, she she had some moments where she had Clarissa on the ground and in spots that were that she got tested in and she just she passed. Mm-hmm. So But shout out to Clarissa for going to a real MMA camp too and trying to do it the right way. She's you know, not just gonna rely on her boxing skills. She's trying to get the full thing. She wants to be champion. So We'll see exactly how this turns out, but it's a good first showing. Um, the one caveat that I have for Clarissa Shields and her trying to be champ and everything like that, which I think she has a good chance of being champ, but I think she also has the unfortunate nature of having a very, very shallow division. There are barely any pickings for a lightweight female fighter. Period. She fights at 155, and there's not. There, what competition can you ever name at 55? She had to just fight a lot of dudes. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, she's eventually going to have to make the choice to either cut down to featherweight and fight at 145, or she will get that champs champ status that she wants so badly, boxing and MMA status, but it's going to be in a division that no one knows exists. How about this, guys? What are your thoughts, final thoughts, and about last card, and any picks for Ashy Knuckle moment of the week? I got one. She got it. here. For Ashy Knuckles, Pigs of the Week. Mm-hmm. I was leaning towards a Korean dude, but I think Matt Brown deserves it. For being 40 and knocking out his former student. That was his student? You got to remember, Diego Lima came up on The Ultimate Fighter. And one of the, he was a, Matt Brown was an assistant coach for TJ Dillonshaw. Damn, that's fucked up. So, yes. Damn. Yeah, I knew I was going to fight him someday, so I had to set him up. 
Diego Lima <laughs> almost declined the fight because he didn't want to fight Matt Brown because they had such a Oh, yeah, they connection. were talking about that on the, the yeah. broadcast. They had a connection, doesn't so he Bra- didn't want to accept it. Doesn't Matt Brown own a victory over both Lima brothers? Yes, he does. What? Yes, he does. Wow. Matt Brown is also my ashy knuckle moment of the week. That was that right hand was a thing of beauty. He's really forty. Yes. Dang. That was his message to the camera too at the end of it. How's that for forty? Oh. <laughs> After folding his student. <laughs> He's like, hey, I, I taught you everything I know. He said, I taught you everything. I said, you, you don't know everything. He said, I taught you everything you know. Not everything I know. You think he'll, gonna, he'll get another fight? Matt Brown? Yeah. Yes. Top let's 15? Get, let's get Matt Brown versus uh, Nick Diaz. How about this? Nick Diaz, Tony Ferguson. Nick? The older that, fight has, mm-hmm. that fight has to be a main event. Because one seventy, one seventy. Last time Nick fought at one seventy or one fifty five, though, did he ever fight at one fifty five? I'm not sure. Yeah. I just remember him at welterweight and middleweight. What what weight class did he fight? Gomi, Diaz, Nate, or Nick? Nick, Nick, Big Diaz. Oh, I'm thinking Nate. Sorry. Oh, oh, I'll, I'll watch that one. Nate, Nate Diaz, Tony Ferguson. Nate Diaz, Tony Ferguson. That's a great fight. I like that more than the Nick Diaz one. I, no I really want to see Nick Diaz. Allowed. Yes. What's that? I didn't like the uh, contract. No doctor stoppages allowed. Look, I, if they if they make that fight, they would have to be the last fight on the card because that cage is going to be full of blood. Nah. That cage They'll just come out with a special special mat for that Blood fight. Resistant. Instead of being yellow, be make it red. Blood resistant. Blood resistant. Just make it red so it doesn't show up as much. Bro. <laughs> they would have more petroleum jelly on their face than Pearl the Pearl Nightclub at oh two AM. It'll be buttery. Mini cuts. Alright, so we need to make a card that has Nate versus Tony Ferguson, Nick Diaz versus Carlos Condit too, because I want that that shit still, and Jorge Masvidal versus Leon Edwards. I want those as the top three. We don't need any titles on that. Those are all three title fights. <laughs> so that's that's the card we need. That's a great two card. Piece continues. <laughs> that's a great card. That is a great card. I like it. Make it happen. And the press conferences for all of that would be amazing. We need a translator for Leon. <laughs> He's not even in my category, bruv. I got I got I got a little subject we could run with. Do you guys think the revolving door? Or do you think the lightweight title will be a revolving door? Or do you think we'll actually have somebody that holds on to it? Yes. 
Yes, it's going to be a revolving door. I think, I think every guy in the top five can be champion. And I think three of those guys are going to get a chance to actually hold a belt within the next five years. I feel like Charlie Olives might be able to defend it a couple times. But that's it. Depending on who his next opponent is, I think he might be able to uh, get one defense. And then after that, I'm not sure. I'm saying, like, matchup-wise, he might yeah. defend it a couple times. It but other than that, like, yeah. I give Dustin two title defenses, everyone else one. You think he could, uh, you think he got Connor? Uh, Olive's got Connor? Yeah. Yes. I think Olive's got Connor. You think he got Poirier? No. Oh. Those are. I I have the opposite way. I think Connor can spark him. But I I don't think. I think think he beats Dustin. I think he's going to go in there and get all of them, though. That's, That's how I see it. Yes. Gaethje will. Gaethje will. Um, he can win. He can beat the right matchup, but I don't. I think it's a revolving door until Makachev comes there, and then mm-hmm. Makachev will win, right? Yeah. Who's he fighting? He's fighting a dude with my name. It's something, uh, something. It's Moses something. Hmm. I forgot who, though. Let's see here. Let's look it up. I got a little nugget. I got something we can play with. So I was, earlier when I was, I was kind of looking through some, um, talking talk. Tiago Moses? Yeah, that's who he's fighting. I was looking up some um, some talking topics, and this is one thing that I, I that caught my attention. MMA is kind of uh, notorious for its trilogy fights. You see, like and we just mentioned one with um, upcoming with Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier three. We saw, you know, in the heavyweight division, we had. Steve Miocic and Daniel Cormier three times. And th- in the past, we've seen that happen a lot. We've seen a lot of trilogies, whether it be the, um, I mean, how many times did, what, did that, did it happen more than once in heavyweight? Didn't Dos Santos and Kane fight three or is it two? They fought three. Okay. JDS so got the we, first one and then lost the next two. Okay, so that's three. We we've seen multiple trilogies in the past in in mixed martial arts, and that's kind of been the staple. You get you know two guys who are number one and number two respectively in the division, and they end up matching up, you know, more than once. To the, and usually it's like three times to see who's the best guy. And you kind of, after the dust settles on that third fight, you, you got to kind of get a glimpse for who is the better fighter. However, sometimes we don't get a trilogy because the second fight was so definitive. And 
that's what I want to talk about. What's some of your notable fights where it was the first fight was, you know, warranted a rematch, but the second fight was a was decisive. So there was no third fight. Give me some of your candidates for that. I, I'll start you off and get you get you started. Get to get the water rolling. How far How back? About, are we going? Uh, huh? How far back are we going? Uh, just just give me some notables. I mean, I, I'll give you one that that's easy. I'll give you a layup. Alexander Gustafson versus John Jones. Where the first fight Gustafson Jones won was an all timer. That was probably one of the best title fights. In 205 history. And the second fight, Jones just crushed him. Oh, damn. I guess that that trilogy could still happen now that they're both at heavyweight. I think Gustafson's making a comeback. It could. It could. Another one with Jones is Jones DC. DC ain't coming back for that. No, no. I'm not saying that it's going to be a trilogy. I'm saying oh. that the trilogy got shut down because the second fight was so gross. It did. Um, let me think of... I can think of a few others. Ooh, I got one. GSP versus Matt Sarah too. Oh, that was a clear ass whooping. Yes. <laughs> the second fight. That was a, He purposely did that. Yes. Yes. There was no need to run that back. Well, no. But it could have. I mean, they could have done it. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I don't think. Let's see. Uh... Oh, GSP BJ Penn. Two. I thought he lost both of them. BJ Penn, right? Yeah, yeah but the second one was so decisive that there was no need to... Yeah, he went back down to lightweight. Right. <laughs> he gets to go. Right. Ooh, I got a oh, yeah, layup. What? Layup. I can't believe you forget it. No, no, I mentioned this one. Chael Sonnen versus Anderson Silva, too. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that was pretty one-sided compared to the first fight. Right, the first fight was like, here's the crazy thing. On both fights, Chael Sonnen was winning on the cards before he lost. Oh, yeah. he, he so technically speaking, Chael, speaking, Chael Sonnen won five rounds versus Anderson Silva. Yep, technically speaking, he did. Yes. Five and a half, <laughs> if you want to get like really into it. For real, yeah, that. I'm having a hard time thinking of these just because there's a lot of them that I feel like were conclusive enough that we didn't need the trilogy. We we, we mentioned one earlier. You know what fight? I know it'll be really hard to make for a trilogy though. Is it's still uh, Shevchenko and Nunes? Yes. Yeah, it's still a tough one just because she lost twice. But I really want to see that one. But I also feel like it's not as tough as you think just because they're so dominant in their divisions and the only close fights they've had are with each other. Yep. So if you can make a fight between Young Jacek and 
um, Shevchenko, even though Shevchenko had beaten her three times before they were even in the UFC. Yeah. They made their fourth fight in the UFC, but you know who won all other three? I know it was in Muay Thai versus MMA, but still. Yeah. She might be fighting Rose for a third time. You never know. I think she will. As long as somehow Carla doesn't become kryptonite for Rose. But I don't think that's going to happen. Here's one. There's Blades and Gano too. That's a yeah. difficult one to That'll make. never happen again. Right. That's that trilogy shut down. That one's difficult. He'll what about fight Lewis before he fights uh, Nagano again. Straight up. Straight up. What about Izzy versus Vittori since Vittori won two fights, but they gave it to the other person? Oh, the judges got it all wrong. Yes. Twice. He probably Twice. wrote a letter <laughs> to whatever commission the, uh, the judges were from. A formal complaint. <laughs> yeah, Izzy Vittori too. That, that makes sense. <laughs> That was shut down pretty easily. Same with Paulo. Paulo's gonna get in there too. He's, He's got to heal up from his hair rematch. transplant. <laughs> what? He's got a he got a heal up that's, from his his hair transplant. That's what happened this time. Oh, you haven't been seeing all the memes that all the fighters have been making fun of him. Of Paulo. Yes, Paulo got a hair transplant. What is going on with this dude? Where does he Seriously. live? Is he in Brazil still, or did, did he move yes. to America? He's in Brazil. What the hell are they it's doing down there? Out of Sanya. Like, look up Give Kevin Holland's Instagram, and you'll see it and stuff like that. Oh, no. Why? Hey, who's uh, Jack Hermanson fighting next? Does he got a fight lined up or no? Manson? Yeah. I don't think so. Because Cannoneer and Brunson's fighting, right? Oh, yeah. Who's Darren Till fighting? Darren Till's fighting Brunson. Who's Cannoneer uh, fighting? I know he got a fight. Question. Did, did Robbie Lawler and Johnny Hendricks only have two fights or three? Two. That should be a trilogy. It should have been a trilogy. That should have happened. A lot of people believe that uh, Robbie Lawler won the first fight. I'm saying. Even though he lost. Make that back. And they needed a second fight between Johnny Hendricks and GSP. You got to get Johnny Johnny Hendricks Hendricks on all the stuff, though. Yes. Whatever he was on. Well, I mean, back then, when before they knew he was on all that stuff. Well, before they... Took him away from all that stuff. Yep, because it definitely wasn't his steakhouse. Before his <laughs> steakhouse and IVs were gone. It was definitely something, because there ain't no way. A part of me kind of believes the IV thing, but that doesn't explain why he had issues at 85. Who uh, retired him? Didn't he fight Paulo Costa? Yeah, pieced up. Yeah. Oh, who was his last fight? 
Hendrix. Hendrix last fight. It was at 85, but it was. I don't know if it was Paulo Costa, though. He had to have been on something, though, because ain't no way you looked that good for so long, then you saw to show up and you can't even make weight no more? Not even at 185? Bro. I heard the most... I just read the most ridiculous story. This is not mixed martial arts related, but it's ridiculous. Undercover. I read a, a story about an undercover cop arresting another undercover cop for a drug sale. Like one was posing as a dealer and one was posing as a buyer, and they arrested each other. Each other, they handcuffed the both. There's the like buyer you're under arrest. <laughs> no, you're under arrest. So no, no, you're under arrest. No, 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 you can no arrest. You can't arrest yeah. me. I'm a cop. You can't arrest me. I'm a cop. What? Yeah, dog. What Wait, the hell? What state was this in? They don't want to tell me. But I'll find out. I mean, given the secretive nature of undercover work, it's possible for two oh. cops to run into each other. But... <laughs> so you guys so what, think uh, uh, McGregor's gonna get this rematch? No, I think it's Poirier. Hey, he's undefeated in rematches. Uh, incorrect. His last rematch, he lost against right. Dustin Poirier. He, he's <laughs> undefeated in rubber matches. What rubber match has he ever had? Nate Diaz. Nope, they haven't had the third one yet. No. Look, it was a rubber match. Oh, yeah. Second fight, even yeah. though he lost. But he won. He lost, but he won. He ran around in circles. Yeah, he, he, he uh, had enough uh, movement to win. Mm-hmm. And we'll some track miles. <laughs> Should have wore his Fitbit in that fight. For real, he got his steps in. <laughs> the, the main card of the, the next pay-per-view is, in my opinion, it should be a fight night. When is that, 65? Yeah. The prelims are straight, though. The prelims, they, they got some good fights on there. We're getting two fight nights in a row. Yeah, next are you talking about the Poirier McGregor fight, 64? Was it what number? Is it? Yeah, 264. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, they can't make it too epic. They got to pay McGregor all that fucking money. Hey, Sean O'Malley gets to be on the same card with uh, Connor? Like, same uh, same thing? That's a good card. Why, why do you think it should be a fight night? Yeah, I think it should be a fight night. I don't know. This is a good card, actually. I think. Yeah, Burns and Thompson. Yeah, it'd be a perfect fight night. Start around eight o'clock. 
be done early. You got Shibasa with the inhaler. Oh my god! You know, to be honest, if if you gave uh, McGregor and Poirier a title between them, this is a standard pay per view card. It could be, yeah. But I mean, you know, they weren't going to put a title fight on there because McGregor is the main event. Yeah, he's definitely the main. I don't think he's been. Yeah, they... Has he not been a main event? Not since his like first two fights. Since he got a title, right? He has never been not the main event. No, even before he got a title. Oh yeah. Even before he got to, since he fought Brandau, he hasn't been wow. anything but a main event. Brandau, what a name. Diego. Yeah, since he stopped his career. I don't know. I think it's just the the co-main event and main event, they're good. But after yes. that, I'm kind of iffy. No, that's a good female fight. I know um, that's a good female fight. But I'm kind of iffy on it. Like the whole, the rest of the card. Like I think if they change around some of the fights on there, that's on the prelims. I, I wouldn't mind seeing the Sean Brady and Kevin Lee on the main card. Not going to lie. You could move down and Sean Lewis smoke it off the main card, but that's just yeah. because I'm not a huge, I'm not a hype fan of Sean O'Malley. Oh, right. I, I was a huge freedom. fan of Smoka. I was a huge fan of Smoka, and I'm hoping he makes a comeback. Uh, I think if the heavyweight and then the Sean O'Malley, if they move those two off of it and put in, you know, if they did some shuffling of the card. They they could easily put um, any of the top three prelims could be on the main event. Honestly, I know Carlos Condit's past his prime. Max Griffin's like so so, but Carlos Condit has enough name recognition that he could be on the main card. Nico Price versus Pereira—that's just going to be an exciting fight. Period. Yep. And then Kevin Lee versus Sean Brady. I think that's. Definitely a fight that's going under the radar oh, for a should. lot of people. It should, because they, they probably don't know who Sean Brady is. But Sean Brady is a killer. Yeah, he's on his, uh, he's on the come up right now. He He's the future. It's a good test for both of these guys, actually. Yes. Kevin Lee could bounce back from... Uh, who, who beat him last? Oliveira, right? Choked him out? I think so. He's on the... No, he, he came back from one fight. He... Gillespie fight was his last fight? No. I think it was Oliveira. Uh, Oliveira, I think, choked him out. Gonna lose to somebody. Better be the next champ. Yeah, he came back and uh, starched Gillespie, and then he got choked out by Oliveira. Yeah. You're right, you're right. He's so up and down with his stuff, man. Kevin Lee. <laughs> now he got wins on a lot of good people, but then he got losses to a lot of good people, too. He had a good showing against some of those losses, though. But the he had one... a good showing in that Ferguson fight until he got choked. I still don't know how he lost to Iaquinta. 
Because I was a champ. Al? He the fought for the title. Realtor? He, you he, gotta he, count him as a champ because he 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 won rounds against uh Khabib. Well, kinda. He got jabbed <laughs> to death. What do you mean? <laughs> kinda. Okay, Kevin Lee? Yeah. Yeah. He lost to him twice. Oh, That's the thing. That's a little rubber r- r- match. That got shut down. No, they don't need to do that a third time. Nah. Kevin Lee doesn't need three losses to a real estate agent. He did beat uh, Kiesa. Like, straight up. <laughs> that might be an actual rematch at 170. If uh, he can get past Sean, but get past Brady, yeah, because Kies is ranked pretty high, I believe. I was gonna say Kies is gonna be a, a little bit down the line. If he can get past Brady, he's got he's got a little work to do before he gets back in Kies's radar. But yeah, Kevin Lee's not even ranked at uh, welterweight, so I think this is uh, not his first fight at welterweight, but he's moving up to welterweight again. Yeah. He's a prime example of them needing a 165 weight class. Mm-hmm. A 165 weight class would be amazing. Like, that would be a, a weight class that immediately would be stacked right off the bat. There's so many and, fighters that could go there. Yes. Hey, you could probably even get, like, some featherweights that have, like, a tough time getting down to that weight class. That would try to go there. If they can't hang it uh, lightweight, they might be like, fuck it. I'm going to go lift some weights. Try to get up to this 165. You think they're going to jump up two classes? You never know, man. <laughs> I, think, I think opening up the 65 gets rid of some of the bigger guys in 155. So, therefore, some of the bigger guys in 145 can compete in 155. That's, that's how I feel it would actually work out. You see, you can see movement up. Yeah, you can have somebody actually defending that weight class and then the actual welterweight class as well. Usman probably could cut down to maybe 165. It might be a tough cut on him, but he might be able to do it. And he would, like, for real have two belts. He'd be like, the the actual champ champ that defends both titles. I don't know. I think I think Usman would be better off going up to 185 than he would be down yeah, he to won't do it, though. I don't think he should, to be honest. He won't do it what as long as uh, Israel is the champion, though. That... Yeah. Just That's okay. Robert Whitaker will fix that. I'm just kidding. He might. He might. Yeah. He might. I ain't taking nothing away. If a smart Whitaker comes in there, that's a fight I definitely want to see. I if just Whitaker hope he doesn't actually do the same comes thing. Whitaker. Yeah, Whitaker's definitely the best matchup. Yes. Smart Whitaker. Yes, not. I don't know what he was trying to do. Hey, it worked for him. It might work for me. You know what? Let's let's talk about that a little bit. 
the I noticed that every single opponent of Israel's is trying to do what the last guy did that had that had some success. As if he's not gonna learn from that. Like if you look at the um the fight with I mean everybody kind of saw what happened when Izzy went against Gastelum and Gastelum had like I mean that was a war. And Izzy was able to, you know, come out on top. Right. But then Whitaker tried to match that energy instead of being Whitaker. And then every fight after that, somebody tried to take whatever success the opponent had in a in a pre- in the previous fight and use that as a blueprint. That must that to me says that like that just speaks more to how good Izzy is to me. That a guy is going to go away from what they're good at to try something out of the box to win. I'm like, if you're confident in what you can do, why would you deviate from that if you just don't believe what you can do was, is enough? If like you believe, like if you don't believe your skill set is enough to upseat to, to um to, um to beat the the, the current king. Then you gotta go for broke. That's why I don't blame Whitaker for going like full rage mode the entire fight. I don't even think, even though I think Whitaker it does have the best skill set out of the rest of the middleweights in giving Izzy a run for it. I just don't think I don't know if he has enough. I I, I definitely think he's the best guy. I think he's for real. Do uh back. I'm gonna give you a little rewind. Go back in time a little bit, and to the heavyweight division. We talk. We talked about this in that trilogies that got dethroned argument. At one point, Junior Dos Santos was the best heavyweight in the world, but then Kane came along, and he he shocked Kane in the first fight when he landed that first that that knockout punch. However, yeah. however, we saw what Kane did in the other two fights. He beat the living fuck out of JDS. And I think that's kind of the case here, too. I think Izzy is just 1A and Whitaker's 1B. Now, will I be disconfident once the rematch starts? Bro, like I think any in a fight, you know anything can happen. And when you got guys that are that talented, fucking anything can happen once they start letting it fly. But I just feel like, from an observer standpoint, Izzy seems to have all the answers to what Whitaker can, Whitaker can do. In my opinion, so I don't even see the only guy I see two guys that have the potential to dethrone Izzy at uh, 185, I just don't think they'll be able to make it to him. I, I don't think they'll get past Whitaker. That's, all it is. That's pretty much what it boils down to me. I, to me, I, like, I see two guys that have a shot, and they just won't get past Rob. Seven and eight? Who, who's seven and eight? Who are you talking about? Darren Tiller and Uriah Hall? Or you got somebody else? Somebody else? Uriah Hall is one of them, but not, not Darren Till. I don't think Darren Till has what it takes. 
I think um Kamzat Chimaev has what it takes because he can he can he can make the fight dirty enough. Like he can stand up and he has power and he has the ability to land shots with his because his wrestling's so good. Like his wrestling's so good that he has the ability to set up shots. In the same way that Izzy does with his um both levels, he can land his kicks because his hands are so sharp and he can then land his um hands because his kicks are so good with feints. I think Chimaev at 85 can give Izzy a tough out because of his wrestling but and his ability. Do you think that ability will still shine so much when he actually starts fighting ranked opponents? Because you got to remember, yes, he made a big splash. Yes, he made a good name for himself, and it was entertaining with those three fights real quick. But that could be a flash in the pan, because once again, this is a guy that's not even ranked, hasn't fought any ranked fighters, period. No names to him. Do you think it'll actually hold up? Because you're, you're literally comparing like a number 20 fighter to a number one. Damn. And I'm only basing it off the skill set, not the um, rankings. To me, the rankings don't mean as much. I'm just going off the matchup. Because we give a lot of guys who have immense talent credit before they end up getting the the, the uh, accolades to get that credit. A guy I can think of right now is Islam Makachev. He doesn't have the pedigree to be called the uncrowned king. I mean, who has he beaten? No Which I, I try not to give them that much credit. I accept them and I go, hey, you're an impressive fighter and I like to see you fight and I want to see you climb the ladder. But I'm also a very big advocate of you got to... I, I hate how sometimes the UFC takes fighters and they push them way too early. Because I feel like we've lost a lot of great fighters because they pushed them too early. They threw them to the wolves and they killed them. And I, I would hate... I see that almost happening with uh, Chamaya, and I hope they don't do it. I know he's cocky enough to where he wants to be champ by next year, but I want to see him against good competition before I can say something like he can take on Izzy. Because part of skill sets is knowledge and fight IQ. And you don't get great fight IQ until you have that top rank opponents that you fight against. Well, no, I, I agree with the latter part of what you said 100%. You can't get that experience, that fight IQ, that cage moxie until you've been in there tested through the fire against guys who have your skill set are better. Mm-hmm. Because you can, you can can crush all day. Um, like some of the guys in Bellator do. I'm not going to name no names, but you know what I'm talking about. You can can crush all day. But I disagree with, with you a little. Well, I disagree with you wholeheartedly in um, the UFC giving, throwing guys to the wolves. I feel like if they think you're a wolf, they got to test you against another wolf. Like you can't, if, if you think that guy is the next guy, you got to give him championship level fighters because otherwise how do you prove he's the guy and that's we've seen people come out of that and become who we thought they were 
Um, and there's many examples of that too. Like if you look at the guys who they pushed, because when when McGregor came on the scene, he was like gonna be the next big thing from the outset. They were he was all, they were already building him up to be the guy, and they put him through the fire, and he ended up being the guy. They did the same thing with John Jones. He had a skill set of like, all right, this is gonna be the guy. This is the future of this division, and they put him through the fire. He was only fighting champions and former champions. But he beat them all. So I feel like with Chemayev, if you think he's going to be the guy, you got to put him through the fire. you got to give him killers. Because if, if, if you put two killers in a room, then one guy got to come out. And that's what it is. Like, if the guys that didn't come out of that, like the Eric Silvas and the guys that got pushed, you know, a little bit too fast, they just weren't killers, bro. They weren't who we thought they were. But see, your example, your example right by itself, by itself contradicts what you just said, though. Conor McGregor was built up slowly. He didn't get thrown to the wolves. Think of his first couple of fights. Yes, he fought Max Holloway, but that was Max Holloway on his second fight in the UFC. He fought Dustin Poirier. How many fights did McGregor have when he fought Holloway in the UFC? One or two, right? It was one or two fights. Yes. But that's what I'm saying. He was fighting rookie versus rookie. Yes, Max Holloway became the name we know him now, but at the time, he wasn't throwing him against, like, a killer at the time, because Max Holloway wasn't the killer he is now at that point. Same with Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier was up and down at the time. They, they, his first fight was against Marcus Brimage. Marcus Brimage, at the time, was known as the guy with the scouter. That that's was all about he was it. known. Huh? Dude with the scouter. That, that's way. about it. Then he scouted. fought a rookie, Max Holloway. Then he fought Diego Brandau, which was like an ultimate fighter dude that had Dennis some Seaver. name. Dennis, Dennis Seaver, who was on the downside of his career, yeah. to be honest. Like, I agree. They built him the right way. I'm okay with them building people that way. But when they do stuff like, let's take Uriah Hall, for example. Uriah Hall, immediately from the ultimate fighter, they were comparing him, saying that he could beat... Anderson Silva, and they escalated him into the top 15 right off the bat and then into the top 10 fighters pretty quickly. And they basically destroyed him as a fighter, destroyed his confidence, destroyed him (laughs) real quickly instead of taking a star and nurturing it. I think they're doing the right thing with Sean O'Malley also. Sean O'Malley is a big name that has potential, but they're giving him unranked fighters. Sean O'Malley's still not in the top 15 because he might maybe fought, maybe fought one guy in the top 15. Brandon Vera. That's it. Before he was Cheeto. too high. Yeah. Cheeto. Yeah. Yeah. So That's it. Well, I, I can think of a bunch of other guys, though. I can think of a bunch of other um, fighters who got that push, and they got, you know, the, they were considered young, hungry prospects, and they got fed to, you know, they got thrown in the fire, and they came out on top. Garbrandt. I mean, what's up? Yes, Cody Garbrandt. Right. Jay Dillenshaw. Mm-hmm. So- yeah, I think that's the nature of the fight game, though, man. Like, you, it just—it just is how it is. You, you can't. I mean, yeah, it's not. Boxing is a little bit different than MMA in that sense. Whereas boxing, you can get 
30, 40 fights in before you start fighting notable names. Because the pool is so much deeper in boxing. Boy, but it was in MMA. Darren Till got, he got pushed, like, really hard, if you think about it. Yes. Yep. Like, he got straight up thrown to the wolves, and then he ain't never been he the same Woodley. He got, so I said, like, the, the, the guys that got, get thrown to the wolves, and they don't make it out, they're just not the guy who you thought they were, that's all. It's not a matter of they got pushed too fast. It's, I think once you make it to the professional ranks, because most of these guys have some amateur experience. So once they make it to the professional ranks, it's, that's the time to test them. That's not the time to build them up. Like that's the, you, you build yourself up. That's why I think Izzy did it the right way of t- getting all that experience outside of the UFC and then coming to the UFC. Because now he's already been knocked out. He knows what it's like to be knocked out. He knows what it's like to risk it all and kind of feel the heat of that outside of the UFC. So now when you come to the UFC, you have that, that moxie, that experience, and that cage time, or that, that in-fight time. Then you, can, you can match. You, the guys that you're going up against can't match that energy. So once you get thrown to the wolves, you've been in firefights. You can get into a fifth round of a dogfight and know it's going to be all right. Because you've been there. But the guys who haven't they have question marks. I agree. Like Izzy did it the right way, and that's what that's all I'm saying is. Even as a fighter, I'm not even saying the UFC needs to do this. As a fighter yourself, you should plan your career a little bit better and take good matchups, and not just, you know, oh well, they're offering me a main event spot versus this guy that I know I'm going to have a hard time against, and I know is probably going to kick my ass, but it's a main event spot. Like, does uh, Chamayev have a fight coming up? Uh, I think he wasn't he still struggling with COVID and crap. I I think he uh, had his surgery or whatever to fix whatever was wrong and he was training again. I know he got cleared the train, but I don't think he had a fight booked. And to add to that, like I agree, Mark. I think you you're you're absolutely right about fighters taking that approach. And as observers, commentators, analytics. Guys who are just kind of viewing from the outside, it's a different feeling, I would imagine, for the guys that are in the cage. Because once they actually get start getting some wins, they start believing their their own hype too. Right. So it's hard for them to check their ego and be like, "Okay, I still got stuff to work on." They're trying to make that payday. Everybody ain't Stepe who already has a job or they're they're doing it for their legacy. A lot of these guys are all in. They're mm-hmm. only fighting. They're only fighters. And if they can't make it to the title and make them big bucks, make those big paydays, then it's kind of off or not. So yeah. a lot of that's, that's why a lot of those guys do take those big fights early because those big fights come with bigger checks. No, not really. Not those early fights. That's one of the arguments, though. Because like, yeah, unless win, it's a title if fight. Win the fight. Or if you win that fight, though... Then you move on to, you know, compete for the title, which the title fight is always the biggest payday. Yes, the title fight is always the biggest payday. But whether you're fighting the first prelim, the first fight of the card, or you're fighting main event, untitled fight, you literally have the same contract that you signed. 
if you are a 2020 fighter, it doesn't matter if you are main event against uh, a top rank or a top five guy, you're still getting 2020 for that fight on a regular fight card, and you're not a title holder or fighting for a title. It's the same contract. So it would be smarter for you to plan out your career. And while I have this four fight contract, I'm going to fight these guys that are on my level, get these wins. Once I win this fight, then I can argue my contract and be like, I'll sign another four fight deal, but I want more money. Otherwise you have the Nate Diaz problem where you sign these 10 fight deals and you're getting this shit pay, but then you become one of the biggest fucking stars in the sport, and you're still getting shit pay. You gotta remember, Nate Diaz fought uh, Benson Henderson, and he only got paid 20 grand for that fight. Yeah. So That was like I'm, on Fox too, right? That yes. Was a paper, not a pay-per-view, but Fight Night on Fox. Right. Mm-hmm. So, wow. you got no, listen, you, you got, I, I, as far as that's concerned, contractually speaking, you got no argument. For me, I think a lot of these, I would say 95% or more of fighters in the UFC are grossly underpaid, in my opinion. This is my opinion based off the nature of what they have to do. Everybody can't be champ, dog. They can only be. What eight guys that can be the champion, and so that leaves what if eight guys can be champ? There's only so many guys that can be a contender, but out of the rest of that is the rest of the actual sport. And you got all the guys that fill the rest of the roster, and in most sports, the guys at the top get paid the most in every sport, like when you're at the top tier of the sport you get the biggest share of the pie. However, the other slices of pie, we should say, is a little bit more evenly distributed throughout the rest of the roster in most other sports. Fight sports is different because these guys are all individuals. These aren't... It's not a team effort. So you're not splitting it with anything besides your own management team and your own crew. Um... The guys who get, you know, who fill out the middle of the roster, they're all, all always on cards, always filling out these cards, but they're never going to compete. They're just career gatekeepers. Never get a Those title guys, shot. what's up? They'll never get a title shot. Never get a title shot. They, they, they might put on entertaining fights. They might put on showcases. And sometimes those guys are what makes the cards good. Because like you look at some of those fights and you look back and you're like, damn, like the main event was a dud, but that fight on the pre- that premium main event was fucking probably the best fight of the card. And it's the guy who was on that, who was the dance partner, is why it was the why it was a good fight because it, it takes two. It takes a it takes two guys who are willing to get in there and straight up like how my homeboy says and my boy says they gotta want to thump. And you gotta have two guys that want to. If you don't, you don't get that. You don't. Every guy that's in the sport isn't a fighter. Some of these guys are just playing the game of MMA as a sport. 
And that's why the casual fan is like bored sometimes because you, these guys are trying to eke out a win just for the fact that a win is such a significant thing in their careers. Like it, it could change your trajectory completely. Like if you put together a string of wins or you don't. I got a question. What happens to Poirier if he loses this one against McGregor? It's going to be huge because if Poirier loses this fight to McGregor, which I'm I'm taking McGregor in this rematch, dog. Uh, uh, I think I think McGregor is really hungry to get a title shot, especially given that who the current title holder is. Uh, I think he I think he feels like he has a, an edge against Oliveira, and I tend to agree. And I think that he might win this fight because I don't think it's, I don't I don't think he's going to finish. I think it's going to be very similar to that uh, Diaz rematch where it goes to decision, and we might get a controversial one in this one. Because I feel like anything short of Poirier stopping McGregor is going to be a win for McGregor somehow. Oh, so you're saying uh, it's already in his favor if it goes yep. to the scorecard. I feel like you know how you you know how you get into a playoff game and you play on a team and you're getting all the calls. It's going to be similar to that on the stretch of scorecards. Whatever Poirier does, it's going to be like, all right, cool. And whatever McGregor does, it's going to be like, hell, check. Check, Mark. Check. Damn. You know what I mean? So I feel, I, I think that Poirier going forward, I don't think this destroys his career, but I do think we see a, a, a little bit of a resurgence in McGregor's if he does win and if he's able to get the win. If Poirier doesn't knock McGregor the fuck out or sub him, we're going to see a McGregor competing for the title. For as far as your question and answering your question, you ask what happens to Poirier. I think it's going to set up the, the, um, the rematch between Poirier and Gaethje. That's what I was thinking. If he loses, he'll probably end up fighting Gaethje again. Yeah. Nah, I think if he loses, I think they'll set up the Chandler fight. You think he'll go against Chandler? Chandler? They, the Chandler. Loser they got against so loser. many options. They got so many options, man. So, like, Michael Chandler, loser against loser, that's a good fight for both of them to get back into the picture. Uh, Justin Gaethje, I think, is legit just holding out till a title shot. Honestly. Because there's really no names other than Conor McGregor that you can really put him against that he hasn't already proved himself. I do want to see him against Chandler, though. I would love it. It doesn't seem like it's going to happen, though. We've seen UFC's politics, though, man. Like, they, they go for needle movers as far as the title shot's concerned. If you, it's, it's not like the old days where you, you become the number one contender and then you get guaranteed a title shot. It's more about money and about how well we can sell that pay-per-view. And that's one thing Conor McGregor has on anybody in that division. You know for a fact that Whoever Conor, Conor is fighting for the title, it doesn't fucking matter. It's going to be a big event. So he has that edge. What's up? Oh, sorry. You can finish what you were saying. Yeah, he has that edge over everybody else that's even remotely close to contention. Because even let's, even though I, if you're going to ask me my personal opinion on who I think deserves the title shot, I'm going to definitely say Justin Gaethje over McGregor. However... Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the way it's gonna go. I just think that if, if McGregor gets any thing, why do you, that's the reason? Why do you think that McGregor gets an instant rematch versus Poirier for any other reason? 
I mean, he's if he loses, okay, then you then you know the the title shot's probably gonna be Poirier because he literally passed up the title to take yep. this rematch. Yep. He won that and, ex- Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Everybody ain't doing it for the glory, dog. Like a lot of these dudes are they're prize fighters, man. They're doing it for the paycheck. And I don't blame them because you only get so many opportunities to get a big payday. And in your fight career, the fight game is fickle. It can go in, like any fight can go any way. And you can get a, a crazy injury in training. You can get a crazy injury during the fight. Or you can just lose really bad and get the shit kicked out of you. Out of you and that just changed the whole trajectory of your career. Because if you look at a guy like Tony Ferg, who we all kind of crowned as the uncrowned king for a long time. He had that one bad fight with Gaethje and he hasn't been the same since, bro. Mm-mm. I mean, he had a lot of accumulated damage, as we already talked about, up leading up to that. But Gaethje beat the fuck out of him, bro. And that's just one bad fight. Out of how many excellent performances? I think all the damage caught up to him. Oh, yeah. Yes. And I think cutting weight, what, a few weeks beforehand? Yes. And then going back in again and cutting the weight, I, I think that, that it just took a toll on him. As crazy as Tony Ferguson is, I think he might be the most affected by no crowd. Well, yeah. Didn't he have crowd for his last fight? Yep. Well, he got after he got skull drug (laughs) against Gaethje. Like, listen, that fight against Gaethje was a a beat a beat down, bro. Like he got punished. Oliver every single shot. You got some paranormal activity going on, my dog? Uh, just stuff going on. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you may have watched The Conjuring 2, and then now, bro, I heard some weird-ass shit about that movie, bro. The third one or the second one? Wait, the one there's a third one. The third one. Which one you saw? None of them. Well, I think I saw the first one. I think I saw the first. The first one, I was think uh, it had the doll in it, Annabelle, Annabelle. or whatever. Yeah. The second one brought out the nun. That one was crazy. And they just had the third one. The third one was kind of wild. I did see the nun. The nun. That was when they were at that like church, right? Yeah. And she was like, 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 uh, the mirror or something, the pictures and shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. She had the uh, what was it? She was possessing the other ghost of the dude that died in the house. She was like, uh, she had him as like a pawn. He was doing her bidding when it was really her doing all that bullshit. That shit was crazy. But the third one was kind of whack. It was like, I didn't get to see it. Third one was whack. Um. Here's some MMA news. Hawani has finally announced where he's going after leaving ESPN. He's heading to BT Sports and going to do an exclusive podcast on Spotify only. He's pulling Joe Rogan. BT Sports? That's the European stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I like that's, them, though. That's their ESPN over there, right? BT? Pretty much. But it's also, I mean, you got to remember, he's Canadian, so they're pretty European themselves. Oh, yeah, Frenchies. Mm-hmm. But Yeah. 
BT Good Sports movies. is also the one that uh, like uh, Dan Hardy was working with, and uh, all those. They do a lot of breakdowns that I like to watch, so I, I don't hate that. I like Dan Hardy a lot. Yes. You guys ready to he call did a really good job. Yeah, we can call it. All right. Well, we can, um, I think we got a good one. Again, my Ashy Knuckle moment of the week goes out to my boy, Matt, the Immortal Brown. Hell of a right hand. Hey, that, that, was ashy, that was an Ashy Knuckle moment, my guy. Good looking out. And uh, shout out to the old dudes out there, man. You know what I mean? 40 year olds, man. Dan Hardy, stand up. I'm not Dan Hardy. My man, uh, Matt Brown, you know, stand up for the old dudes, bro. You know what I mean? The dad bonds and shit. You know what I mean? Holla at your boy. Hey, we can zip it up. Zip, zip it out. out. <laughs>